and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we're releasing a bonus episode where I am interviewed in the Rooted in Health podcast. I was actually honored to be in the second episode, but their very first guest that they ever interviewed, which was great. The host is Brian Christensen, uh, somebody I've known for a very long time. He's such a great guy. He is the son of Jane Barlow. Jane is the owner of Barlow Herbal Specialties, and so this is their um, attempt at interviewing all people in the in the health and wellness space. Uh, Brian does such a great job bringing fun and humor to the show. In this interview, it was actually a composite of two separate interviews that we did. Uh, one we did virtually, one we did in person, and so you'll notice a little difference in the audio as they splice the two of those together. Uh, but we talked about our business, Boundless Body, and how that came to be. We talked about our podcast, uh, Boundless Body Radio, which we love. I also got into a little bit more of like exercise methods, things that I use as far as strength training, um, how to you know accomplish your health goals with a minimal amount of equipment. Um, we also talked about diet. So I talk uh, quite a bit about the carnivore diet, why that works so well for me, why I decided to do it and stay on it for so long, and, and some of the you know principles of the carnivore diet. If, if you enjoy this episode, just make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts and give them a rating and review. They're brand new. They just started. It's the Rooted in Health podcast. They would really appreciate that. And that said, here's my appearance on the Rooted in Health podcast. But anyway, I've rambled enough, I think, to get this show going. I'm going to go ahead and launch into these interviews with Casey. I think you guys are going to really enjoy him. Like I said, Casey's a really upbeat, friendly, energetic guy. You know, he'll give you the shirt off his back. But here, we don't ask him to do that. We just have him share some of his awesome knowledge and insight and kind of his take on movement. And there's in the second interview, well, actually, technically, it was the first interview we recorded, we talk more about diet. And the second one, we talk more about exercise and movement. So enjoy the interview, you guys. And um, I'll come back at the end and say bye. All right. Enjoy. We are here with Mr. Casey Ruff, co-owner and operator of Boundless Body. How are you today, sir? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining the Rooted in Health podcast. We appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. Casey's got his own podcast going on. Do you? Uh, is it just you who hosts it, or does Bethany hop on there with you? Yeah, that's a great question. So initially, we designed a podcast where both of us would be hosting. Um, it turns out that Bethany, <laughs> she's so busy with her business that she has a lot less time to do the podcasting. And oh, so... Okay. She- yeah, she'll jump onto a few episodes, uh, but generally speaking, it's me doing the interviews. We're also going to start to experiment with kind of a format where I'm inviting a guest to invite a guest that he would want to interview, and we're going to give him the platform to be able to do it, but he's actually going to be a guest host of the show, so that's going to be really fun. We're looking forward to that. Interesting. That sounds fun. Yeah, it'd be super fun. Like a fun little take. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the guy that I that I have in mind, I mean, he he was the valedictorian at Dartmouth. Then he got his doctorate's degree in two years at Oxford, and now he's at Harvard Medical School. So I figure he's probably a lot smarter than I am. So <laughs> listening to him host an interview with somebody that he would want to talk to seems super interesting to me. So that'll be fun. Yeah, just sit there and be a sponge and absorb all that, all that knowledgey goodness. That's right. Yeah, so like I said, uh, you are the co-owner with your wife, Bethany, of Boundless Body. It's a 
personal training company, right? And uh, they are local here in Salt Lake City. On the first podcast, I mentioned that I hail from Salt Lake City. The roughs of Boundless Body do too here in the Salt Lake area. So, um, yeah, tell us about a little bit about your business and kind of how it got started. Sure. So, Bethany and I both work for a big corporation, a big gym. I had worked there for 13 years. I met Bethany through that company. She had worked there for six or seven years. So we both had experience as personal trainers and we had a place where we could go to train our people. You know, we have our clients, you know, the people we would see. I managed a metabolic testing program. Bethany was in charge of a Pilates program. And so everything was going pretty well. It was a tremendous amount of work. A lot of people don't know that as a personal trainer, especially in a corporation like that, you're working 100% commission. It's highly competitive, many hours a week. I mean, we were working 50, 60 hours a week, easy um, to work with our clients. And again, it's Mm. very highly competitive, lots of commission, really difficult. Well, March of 2020 happens and everybody is forced to shut down. And our company um, initially told us that they would keep us on payroll for five months if necessary. And and within a week had changed our minds and said, okay, you're all unemployed, go apply for unemployment insurance. And so last spring, spring of 2020 was a really confusing time. It was a really difficult time. But we also, you know, as we were following what was going on with pandemic and listening to virologists and scientists and hearing about what was going on, we realized that the pandemic was going to go on far longer than a lot of people wanted to realize. And that a lot of our clients also had behaviors that were going to change. And so people, you know, started dusting off their health riders and their thigh masters and their, <laughs> you know, the weights in the basement. And they started working out at home. And we also realized that they were going to kind of get used to that. They were going to enjoy that. You no longer have to commute, you know, into a gym. You don't have to get ready. I mean, the type of gym that we were was like, you, (laughs) to even go in and work out, you feel like you have to be like on point with your outfit, your hair has to be perfect. It Mm -hmm. was just totally crazy. And people got used to working out at home. Like I said, they really enjoyed it. It was easy. It was convenient for them. And we just kind of looked at the situation and decided to pivot with the situation and pivot with what things were changing. And so all we did was start our company, which is called Boundless Body. And we really just worked with a lot of the same clients that we had before that didn't necessarily want to go back to the gym. And so now we train people in our neighborhoods. We train them at their homes. We built out our basement to be a gym. Uh, We did that this fall. So that's a little private Pilates studio and and gym facility there. Uh, We work with people outside. So a lot of our sessions are out of parks and we just basically work with mostly the same people and train them in ways that they like to be trained. And that's what balanced body is. It's not much more than that. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, that's great. You guys took advantage of sort of a, a bad situation, an unknown situation and you, yeah, you went forward with your with your plans because you had you had planned to start your own business prior to that, right? Prior to the the announcement of the pandemic, I guess I'll call it. Right? No, absolutely not. No, we oh, had no. no plans. No, not at all. Oh, so yeah. The way the way I explain it is, if if you were to take the game of basketball, like like this is the sport of basketball. Here are the rules. You play on a court. There's five players on each team. If you shoot the ball behind, you know, this line and it goes in, it's worth three. Like the rules of the game before the pandemic happened were all very different. I mean, we were, you know, working very hard and it was very difficult, but we also were very established and we were able to get in front of people who had a lot of means 
in this facility that was really quite a very nice facility. So we didn't necessarily have any plans to leave there. I mean, we talked about maybe starting our own thing, but the rules of the game at that time fit really well with what we wanted. We were making good money. We had benefits. We had 401ks, like all that stuff. But the pandemic just changed the rules. Like the, the game of basketball, it's as if it were now played on a sheet of ice that's round and there's 11 players on each team or something like the rules of the game were just totally different. And yeah. so creating our business was less about us kind of stepping out and doing this thing that we thought was going to be very successful. It was more just pivoting around what the situation was so that we could continue training our people, you know, safely in a way that they wanted to be trained. And, and I, I have to say, I don't think me in particular, maybe Bethany would have had the courage to step out on her own. Um, but I don't, I don't know personally that I would have had the courage to start something completely new when, you know, the rules of the game were where they were before. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah. I don't know where, uh, where, where I got that idea in my head that you had, um, planned this, but, um, <laughs> at any rate, so would you say, uh, I mean, I'm going to, I think I know the answer, but would you say you're, you're better off? This is for the, for the better having made this pivot, this adaptation. Oh, dude. <laughs> yes. One thousand million percent. <laughs> That's yes. the answer I, I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, it's been a real eye opener. Um, we we discovered really early on when you know things were shut down. We we sat down together and we started to look at our budget and the things that we needed, and we realized we actually live pretty small lives. Like we don't spend a ton of money on stuff. We don't have the biggest home or the nicest cars. We you know we're saving and and we just decided like the the, the number of dollars we needed to make every single day was really not that big. And we found the trade-off, especially, you know, last spring, the trade-off to not making a ton, a ton of money was that you have extra time. Mm -hmm. And so trading, trading a life where we were just at the, you know, grindstone every single day, just, just on the hustle was so draining to us. It was so amazing to work with less people, but work with them in a more intimate way and have more time and energy with them that we, that it just opened up more time and we could create this life of, you know, the things we want, the people we want to talk to, the people we want to work with. And it, it has been amazing. I would just say to anybody who is even considering stepping out on their own, I just, I really would highly encourage you to try, give it a try, do something that you think is, you know, initially really challenging and just understand you don't need to make it perfect. Initially, you will pick up pieces along the way. Like I didn't know how to open a business or be an entrepreneur or do accounting or start a podcast, make a website. Like all of those things are really new to me, but you learn them as you go. And so it, it, it just takes you know, that first step of, you know, with us just deciding that we were going to go out and put, you know, this energy into the world, but it's come back to us in so many ways that makes our life so much better than it was before. And again, I would just really highly encourage the listener, if you're considering doing something on your own, you really should take a step in the right direction and just know that things will happen as you go. Sure. No, nobody would uh, choose the coronavirus situation to happen, but I'm kind of glad it did. There's, yeah, uh, you know, there's always good stuff, you know, you can always put the mag, you know, the magnifying glass on the, on the bad stuff, but you know, there's so much good, good stuff happening in the world. And this is just a microcosm of, of, of that. And I'm so happy for you guys. I, you know, I've known you and Bethany for a while now, now, you know, sat down and had dinner with you guys over at my parents' house. So I'm, I'm very happy for you guys. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. That really means a lot. Thank you very much. I want to talk about your personal 
workout habits currently. Do you have a set routine or do you like to mix it up or what do you, what are your sort of activity habits right now? Yeah. Great question. The only one consistent thing I have for fitness today is I love walking. So I have a target for the number of miles or the number of steps that I like to do in a day. For me, that number is always over five miles. And if I can get to 10, that's even better. So that's the one, that's the one consistent thing that I have. Everything else is just really more based on enjoyment or whatever feels good. So I really strongly believe that strength training should be a core part of what most people do. You need to lift a heavy weight or do some resistance training against the resistance band, against your body weight, against, you know, weights if you have them, because it's really, really important to send a signal to your body that says your current level of strength is not sufficient to do what you need to do. Therefore, the body needs to go through the process, a very difficult and expensive process of increasing the metabolism to build more muscle, bone density, connective tissue, all of those kinds of things. The, the, the catch is I don't think that that needs to be done very frequently. I think as long as you are getting the signal, again, that says to your body that your current level of strength is not sufficient, it needs to get stronger, it needs to build more muscle. If you can achieve that in a workout, then that doesn't need to be done very frequently. And so oftentimes my strength training sessions are no longer than maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And I'll do that at max once a week. That could be pull-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, squats and deadlifts. But what I do is move at a very slow tempo, but I get to a very high level of muscle fatigue and intensity. So my heart rate's never really super elevated when I do that, but I get to a point where I cannot move the weight along its path any further. I'm going to what is very, very close to like complete muscle fatigue. And that's where I'm hoping to get the signal to my body that says, wow, like whatever this guy needed to push, whatever he needed to, you know, move over, it it wasn't sufficient. We weren't able to do it. So we need to get stronger. So that's kind of the way I think about strength training currently and my workouts. Other than that, you know, we mentioned the walking, but everything else that I do, I do out of enjoyment. So, you know, I I ride my bike, I go paddleboard, I love to be outside, I can do a hike. I mean, just whatever it sounds enjoyable to me, I I will skate on the ice, um, you know, and, and practice hockey once a week. And so those are things that are part of my kind of mix. Um, and so again, for the listener, I would recommend definitely you want to be as active as possible. You want to be moving through the day. You want to have some component of strength. So it's, it's a really good idea to safely lift, you know, weights or again, resistance band, whatever level you're comfortable with. And if you are unfamiliar with weight training, you really should hire a professional, at least temporarily to teach you those things and then make up the rest of your movement and fitness plan, things that you really enjoy, because if you're doing things you enjoy, it's way more likely you're going to continue doing them for the rest of your life. Yeah, that makes total sense. So you said typically your resistance training routine takes only about 15 minutes. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. I do one, I do one set of maybe five to eight different exercises. Each set could maybe take about 90 seconds. I move at a very, very slow tempo and I get to a point where I'm at complete failure. I cannot push this weight any further along its track. And then I stop. 
So if I do a chest press, maybe I'll do a row after that. I could use resistance bands. I could use, you know, TRX has been a really good system. I could use playgrounds in my neighborhood. I work out on playgrounds in my neighborhood all the time. But I just remember those principles. Like as long as you're moving to a level of deep fatigue, you got the stimulus that you needed to make your body respond that's what you're looking for. It's not necessary for you to spend hours and hours in, in the gym to be able to do that. Do you have a favorite workout routine or like a specific routine with specific moves or do you have a favorite move? I think that's a great question. I think some of the most important exercises we can do collectively involve the posterior chain or the back side of our bodies. Most of us are sitting way too much we're on our phones or on our computers and we're, we're facing forward. Everything is forward for us. And so you see these patterns in people where the hips will start to tip forward and the lower back will start to arch more than it should. You see the same pattern in the shoulders where people have shoulders that slump forward and downward because that's our body's response to reacting to what we're doing every single day. And again, for most people, they're looking at their phone, they're looking at the computer, they're working at a desk, they're sitting down all the time, and the body is more than willing to adjust around that for us, to protect us, and and it morphs into that kind of shape. And so then when you take that body and it's out walking around, you can see it. You can see where people's knees come forward, their feet turn outward, their hips are, are moving, you know, they're tipping forward. Also, there's excessive curvature in the back, and then people have slumping shoulders. So all of that is to say that I think most of us need to be doing more work to strengthen the backside, in particular, the muscles in the middle part of the back, maybe the lats, the glutes in particular are one that a lot of people need to do more work to strengthen. And so I think any exercise that accomplishes that would be some of the best things you could do. And so I would say any kind of rowing motion where you're pulling something towards you is really, really important. Again, you could be using weights, a barbell, dumbbells, you could use resistance band or TRX. And I also think that a deadlift is probably one of the most important moves that we can do. I don't think you need to go super, super heavy, but lifting an object off the ground safely, I think is one of the most important things we could do. Deadlift. Okay. I think it's a great one. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you see so many people like they get hurt when they tie their shoes, their back goes out, whatever. Like <laughs> if, if you can train that and train it properly and learn how to keep your spine in the proper position and mm -hmm. use your, your glutes and those big muscles in the backside of your body to lift up a weight. I think that's some of the best things that most of us could be doing. And that ends up being some of my favorite exercises. Okay. I'm going to do more deadlifts. There you go. Perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, what are your, what's your deal, your personal relationship with supplements? Do you take any supplements? And if so, which ones do you like? That is another really great question. It's a, it's a really loaded question. It's hard. It's hard to answer. So I, I was paid for years and years and years, um, to sell supplements <laughs> and, uh, I, I personally, I don't take any, I think, I think it's really difficult because unless you're working with like a really high quality supplement manufacturer, the, a lot of people don't know this. supplements are not monitored or tested by the FDA. And so you could put anything into a bottle, say that it's anything and sell it to people. And that's, that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I like to take a, I'd like to take a really targeted approach when it comes to supplements. 
I personally don't take them. You know, you can take like a vitamin D, for example. We know that most people are deficient in vitamin D. It's a really, really, really important thing to have. It's more of a hormone than it is a vitamin, even though it's called a vitamin. And and most people are deficient. Personally, I get out in the sun many, many hours a day, and I my levels of vitamin D are totally fine. So I don't necessarily need to supplement that. But that doesn't mean I don't recommend that for my clients who are inside most of the day. That could be a really helpful thing that they could take. Same with certain forms of magnesium. A lot of people are deficient in magnesium, and that's a really great supplement to take. Some people need protein powders. Some people need you know, certain vitamins, but I only recommend them if they're deficient in them. I don't necessarily think it's a great idea to go out and recommend everybody take a multivitamin, like a big smattering of a lot of different vitamins. I don't know that that's the best thing to recommend. Um, so, so I like to look at, you know, what the situation is, if the person really needs it, what is the desired outcome and then devise a strategy from there to, to accomplish the goal that we're trying to achieve. But by and large, I think, I think a lot of people probably don't need to be taking a ton of them all the time. Gotcha. Yeah. So case by case basis, you may yeah point to certain supplements for certain clients, but yeah, not, you're not really necessarily on board with blanket statements, you know, like everyone, right. everyone needs, you know, fish oil. I mean, that's yeah. one, that's one I, I like to take. That's right. I just started taking magnesium myself recently. I, I, I drink a lot of coffee because I've, I've heard that caffeine can deplete your, your magnesium levels. So, yeah. so yeah. So yeah, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't too low on the mag. So that's yeah, great. I take, I, I take a few. A- yeah. Yeah, there's a specific reason for why you're taking those things. I have no problem with that. Where where it gets into a problem is when when people start when people start to think that the health and fitness industry is like the medical system. Like the medical right. system <laughs> is trained to throw pills at people to fix problems and they're not trained to look at the root cause. Like if you go into most doctor's office and you have high blood pressure, they'll probably give you a pill to deal with high blood pressure mm-hmm. without without taking the time to say like, well, why? Why do you have high blood pressure? Maybe there's other things you could do in your lifestyle to fix the issue at the root cause rather than throwing a bunch of pills at everybody that are like mm-hmm. quick fixes. And I think we think of the same thing in the supplement industry where there's like this magic pill that you can go take and it's going to fix all your problems. Like you still have to do the work. You have to eat right. You need to work out. You need to be active. You need to deal with stress. You need to get quality sleep. Like there's no real shortcut for those things. So I, I think of supplements exactly how they're said supplements. Like it, they should supplement, you know, what would be considered like a healthy lifestyle that's really holistic. And if there's gaps, I think supplements can be totally fine and great and effective for helping, um, you know, get over those, those gaps that you have. So this is the transition point in the interview. So the second interview that was recorded just finished. And here's the first one, sort of a preliminary kind of a rough draft interview, if you will. But um, I did a little bit, a little bit of editing on it. So check it out and uh, enjoy the second half, people. Intermission over. So yeah, man, <clears throat> I uh, been gearing toward carnivore. Last night was the most dialed in I've I've become. Nice. And so I had two small chicken breasts. I I sautéed them up in some olive oil. Throwing just a little bit of veggies, like some parsley, a couple of 
cherry tomatoes, a little bit of red onion, and, and um, a little bit of garlic and some seasoning. Yum. Nice. And then an avocado. Nice. With that. And then a small handful of walnuts, a serving or two of peanut butter, and then a couple squares of those. You ever seen those keto little chocolate squares in Costco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nice. like three of those. Great. That's all I had yesterday. That was... I, I intermittent fasted, warrior fasted, whatever you call nice. it, all day. And then about, yeah, six, seven, I had that. That's great. No, that's awesome. I My favorite definition for a hyper carnivore. So this is like, if you're looking at animals and what their diets are, um, the human animal, we call it hyper carnivore when somebody is consuming at least 75% of their calories from animal products. So that doesn't necessarily need to be 100%. Now, some people do better when it's 100% and they, they only eat animal products and they have no no plants whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's a, a nice way to approach it where you are including some of those things that you like, you enjoy, they taste good, make your food taste good. If, if, if it helps you to consume more animal products, that's fantastic. That's great. I really liked what, uh, what's his name? Dr. Saladino. What do you have to say about just kind of feel, feel out your different plant foods, your vegetables and fruits and kind of some, you know, some may, some people may be more sensitive yep, that's and react right. poorly to that's different. Right. I think I think vegetables. the safest plant foods that you can include would be fruit. A lot of the fruits that you have, you know, they, they ubiquitously taste good to most of us. It benefits the plant when you eat them because you're going to poop out apple seeds, kind of mm-hmm. like we talked about somewhere. And being a steward for nature. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think we generally handle those a little bit better. Now the issue that a lot of people have with the fruit is sometimes it can consume, it can contain too much sugar. It's just, it's more of a weird thing that people don't consider where we're not necessarily supposed to have access to fruits year round, especially if you live around here in a temperate climate, you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't see oranges just growing spontaneously or bananas growing spontaneously. And, you know, when we consume those, you know, high sugar, high carbohydrate foods, that's when we spike our insulin and insulin tells our body we need to store up energy. And if, if you're, if there's a season where you get that, that's a really good thing because that will help you add energy Mm -hmm. in the form of fat to the body that comes from the carbohydrates. And then in the winter time, when those foods are going to be more scarce, then you get to switch back over to burning the fat. The fat that we store is an energy source. And most people want less of it anyway. And so if you can be in a space where you're fasting or you're eating just animal products, you're not spiking your insulin, which means it drops. And at that point you, you, you gain access to the fuel that's on your body. Access to the promised land. That's right. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think, uh, you you know, timing with carbs and sparsity with carbs and also just, the, you know, the quantity of the portion control, like right. I like, Oh, I can eat fruits healthy. You know, let's eat this whole bowl of fruit, you know, sure. like, take it easy. Just like have an apple, sure. have a few berries, but yeah, berries. Um, I'm definitely going to do raspberries, even if it's just a, a few, you know, Great. even if it's just to add a little flavor to a sauce for, yeah. you know, a little, a stir fry. No problem. I plan on doing a lot of those, you know, like beef, chicken or whatever, stir fries Great. with a couple of veggies and, you know, seasonings for flavor. Great. No, that's awesome. But yeah, I added a ton of salt to the chicken. I've been adding up a ton of <laughs> nice. salt. You gave me the green light, man. Yes. Cause I'm always tip, t- tiptoeing around the salt. Like be careful. Yeah. Know? When most but, people, when most people say they like salt, they add salt to their meals. It might be like they're using a salt shaker, like a little to salt their food, but right, they don't realize sprinkle. grams, the number of grams you truly need of salt, pretty staggering. And it's, it's a little weird at first, but 
you know, if you ever feel like you're feeling cold, um, especially in your hands and feet, if you ever get lightheaded, you know, if you're craving sugar, those are all good sign. Headaches is another one. It's a good sign that you're not close to the amount of salt you need. If you're active, you need more. If you drink caffeine, you need more. So yeah, be really liberal adding salt. It's, it's kind of weird, but, um, yeah, it should make your food taste great. And Remember you recommend trying to uh, take a, a gram or two of salt water just right before a good yeah. workout. I've yet to try that, but I'm going to. Thanks. And also I think a big problem, more more of the problem with salt these days is how it's processed. The pro- They strip the mm. shit out of it. Yeah. The iodized salt, you know, yep. the, you know, the real salt. Yep. That's, that's what it's actually called, the brand, real salt, if you're not familiar with it. Um, yeah, we've been fortunate enough to interview him twice on our show now. We talked about it, talked to him about dental care, and we also talked to him about... The real salt guy? The real salt, yeah. Um, Daryl Bouchard is his name. This is a local company. It's a Utah yeah, company, yeah. right? Yeah, they're from here. And, and the advantage is it's, it's technically sea salt, but it's a sea, it's an ancient sea. And so mm-hmm. there's no plastics it's not polluted there's no you know oil spills or nuclear waste from you know the the meltdown that happened in Japan and so it's it's really way more preserved and they also they don't add anything to it and and you mentioned you know like table salt table salt has things that are added to it that that make your body less able to even absorb it. And so, yeah, um, it's really garbage. Yeah. Nutritionally. That's right. And so he just recommends find a good natural salt. He, he thinks that his salt is really good, but he also acknowledges that there's many that you can go to like the gray salts in France or, you know, some sea salts that are a little bit more, you know, protected can be totally safe. Yeah. Not to mention it's just the flavor it adds. Just yes. Makes, totally. Mm. Totally. Yep. And that's the thing when, when people go low carb, one thing that I hear very consistently and I can certainly relate to is your taste buds really change. Like you eat a piece of fruit, it, it gets like way sweeter. Yeah. It, way sweeter. And You're like, this is intense. This is just a bit much. Totally. Where most people don't think that's very sweet at all. And so, yeah, as your taste buds change, you'll realize like it, it's just more simple flavors end up tasting really good. Like last night I had, Let's see, four burger patties and a few slices of sirloin. I had it with salt. I didn't have it with anything else. And it just, it yeah. really hit the spot. It was good. I had a little bit of pepper jack cheese with it. I cooked it in several tablespoons of butter and it was really yummy. And it's I, almost like cleansing, simplifying the palate. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Certain foods are really good and healthy to include, and certain foods are really bad and actively unhealthy. And so the, the real benefit of a carnivore diet could be that you're eating what I would consider the most nutrient-dense foods, which are things like red meat, which should be the foundation for a carnivore diet. Yeah. But it's also an elimination diet where you're getting rid of everything. Like, you know, if you're eating beef and salt, you're getting all the nutrients without getting any of the potential, you know, food allergies, anti-nutrients, all the things you get from plants. All the garbage is gone. That's right. All the fluff and nonsense is gone. That's right. It's just really simple. You can add things back too. Like a lot of people think that you have to be uh, on a carnivore diet forever and you really, you really don't. You can try Nothing but meat forever. That's right. You can try it for a month and, you know, as you start bringing foods back, you might notice like, hey, I love avocado, but when I eat broccoli, I, my, my skin itches or it hurts my gut or something like that Mm -hmm. that you might not. I just don't feel good. I feel tired. That's right. Lethargic. That's yeah. Right. Something yeah, is off. Yep. Yeah. And it's really easy to do when you really, yeah, strip, strip everything, take it down to meat, salt. And then, yeah, you just start to kind of sprinkle in various plant foods here yep. and there. See that's what right. kind of see what you can, you know, what's good for you. That's right. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I put together a meal plan for some of my clients about a month, month and a half ago. And 
you know, they gave me the parameters of the things they wanted. And I, you know, sat down and put together their meal plan and it came out good. And they, they wrote me back like a week ago and they're like, Hey, we're going to wait on this for like, you know, a week or two until we start the workouts. And I was like, okay, like you can do whatever you want. This is just to make you feel good and eat things you like. If you don't like any of this, that's not the point. The point's to enjoy your food. And if, if that means you're a vegan, then be a vegan. That's totally fine. If that means be carnivore, be carnivore. It's totally fine. It's just whatever, whatever you accept as far as taste, what you enjoy and what makes you feel good. that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. There is no one correct way. That's right. Yeah. We keep getting frustrated when we bring guests on our podcast and ask them like, okay, just tell us what is the exact thing to eat. We'll eat it and tell everybody to eat that. We'll shut down the podcast. We'll be done. <laughs> like let's, let's just end this. And- let's boil it down to seven foods, <laughs> exactly. seven raw base ingredients. Exactly. And we're disappointed. Black oil, salmon, <laughs> beef. What else? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's just playing around and see, seeing what feels good for you. Yeah, man. It's uh yeah, I'm going to have fun with it and uh, it'll put my creativity to the test, you know, nice. using, because, uh, yeah, I'll have a beef foundation. But, you know, as I'm sprinkling in different, you know, whatever it is, lamb, chicken, whatever it is, you know, I can pair it with various plant foods and oils and sure. sauce. You know, I'm trying to get the right oils, too, you know, fair amount of olive oil, you know, the Great. first cold press, all that stuff, yep. virgin Yep. you know, flaxseed oil. I don't, I know you're not really supposed to cook with flaxseed, but I'll just supplement with it. You sure. Know? Yeah, that's totally fine. The, the the big offender as far as the oils go are going to be the vegetable oils, yeah. which is really mm-hmm. misleading because you think vegetable, you think this is really healthy. Yeah, but it should they, be fine, right? It's right. Vegetable oil. Right. But they're actually oils that come from seeds that are what is called polyunsaturated, which means they have um, several double bonds, more than one double bond um, of carbon that can it basically reacts with oxygen. So we talk about like antioxidants being really healthy because they fight against oxidation. So oxidation is, you know, it's rusting, it's aging, it's, it's all of those things that break things down. When, when you expose, you know, an apple, a sliced apple to oxygen. Why is oxygen such a dick? (laughs) It really is. (laughs) It's funny. It's so essential, obviously for life, but yeah, if, if we, if we treat it the wrong way, it, it causes a lot of problems. It causes what we call free radical damage. It's finicky. Yeah, it is. And so, and so when you're talking about a more stable fat, those are going to be your saturated fats. And you'll know it's saturated because it's solid at room temperature. So think like butter, if you cook bacon, you know, the, the, the fat solidifies if you leave the pan out. Coconut oil. Coconut oil is a great example of a, a very, you know, dominant saturated you don't have to worry about those pesky omega sixes. That's right. It's just all pretty much all saturated fat. That's right. Those maybe a tiny, tiny bit of maybe a tiny bit of not omegas, saturated. Yeah, That's right. But, but but largely they're saturated, which means they stand. They don't have any double bonds. They're all single bonds, which means there's nothing that can very easily react with oxygen. So cooking with those oils are great. Um, it's what McDonald's used to cook their French fries in. Would be beef tallow. And yeah. If you, it's too bad they got away from that. They got away. Probably from the that. healthiest part of them. That's right. That's right. And they tasted amazing. Like if you if you yeah. were born after 1990, you have not tasted a true McDonald's French fry because that's when they changed their formulation. So somebody what like year 1990 1990 because of pressure because of the anti saturated fat movement, they thought it was going to give people yeah. heart attacks. And so, you right. know, the, the fry chefs would come in in the morning and the, the fry 
pan would be, or the fry vat basically would be solidified and you would just turn it on and it would warm up and it wouldn't easily oxidize so they could reuse the oil over time. But, but there was so much pressure against the saturated fat, you know, anti-saturated fat movement gained so much ground that under pressure, McDonald's changed their formulation first to trans fat and then to more of like a vegetable oil, like a corn oil or soy, soybean oil, which people are consuming massive amounts of now. It's and everywhere. those canola oil. Yes. They should not be used. They should not be consumed. They should not be specially heated up at all. They cause crazy amounts of damage in the body. So yeah, those, the vegetable oils are the ones you really want to stay away from the more natural fats, like the animal fats, the, the, the saturated fats, and also fruit fats like coconut oil. You mentioned avocado oil is great. Uh, palm oil can be one that can be used. Olive oil is great. Olives are great. Any of those are awesome fats to use. And, you know, back, you know, prior in the past when I would do try keto diets, you know, and I've had a little bit of success on some keto type eating, I would eat a lot of oils, you know, and I wasn't paying attention to what type of oils, you know, canola and safflower and, you know, all the dressings, you know, making a lot of salads and what have you using dressings for dips and stuff. I'm realizing, you know, the more and more wisdom in the carnivore way of thinking of eating because, you know, you're getting your some great keto ratios right there in the meat, you know, right. whether it's ribeye, bacon, you know, I know some meats are leaner than others, but even, you know, poultry has plenty of fatty meat, you know, you're That's eating right. nose to tail or right. just a good cross section of the animal, you know, right. good cross section of animals, That's you right. know, even as beef may be the, the central point of the diet. So, so it makes sense, you know, but, uh, so, so now I'm like taking it easy on the freaking oils tablespoon or two of olive oil for cooking, whatever, you know, a little bit of fl- tablespoon or two of ol- uh, flaxseed cold, just in the fridge, just as a supplement. Yep. And then, you know, a little bit of grass fed butter, Great. avocado. Great. Boom. Yeah. That's awesome. What else do I need? You know? So when I was really early on in this journey, I, I called it a high fat diet and I would do the same thing. I would, I would recommend this to people. I would do this myself. Like you want to have, you know, 70 or 80% of your calories coming from fat, a certain amount of protein and, uh, you know, basically like the lowest amount of carbohydrate that you can really tolerate. Yeah. Whatever that is. I I consider anything under 150 grams of carbohydrate a day. It's, it's fairly low as far as a carbohydrate diet goes. And, and if people want to be more strict, they can be down closer to, you know, 20 or 50 or zero, whatever makes the most sense for them. Um, but anyway, we'd have people that would be like, well, I wasn't that hungry. I ate all my food for the day, but I was missing, you know, 200 grams of, uh, or maybe like 20 grams of fat or something that you recommended. And so I drank olive oil at the end of the night. I've, I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> so have I. So have I. And, and the thing we need to realize is fat is so important as a, um, as the macronutrient that helps you with satiety. So we use that as a lever. It's really hard to know how much fat to use protein. Most people need a certain amount of protein. That's really stable. Again, carbohydrate, you can recommend as low as somebody can tolerate, whatever that is for them. But fat, you just want to use as a lever to, to, to give you the satiety. So a steak kind of, you mentioned, it's almost a perfect, like 70, 30 split for grams for protein and fat. And Mm -hmm. that I think is kind of a good sweet spot to be at. And that that's pretty much all you need. You wouldn't necessarily need to add more fat to that unless you were feeling really hungry and not really satiated. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're eating, you know, leaner meats, you know, you can sort of balance that out with, you know, a little bit of cooking oil or avocado or, or whatever, or, or maybe 
another or you know it's fine if you don't hit it every single day yeah i think that's totally fine paying attention to your digestion would be another way to tell if i if i eat too much protein and not enough fat i have i I get diarrhea for sure so if you are if you do need to fill in some gaps though at least some you know so you're not totally off the number what's 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 ideal you know mct oil coconut oil mct coconut those are both great so i'll put mct and a little bit of butter in my coffee in the mornings i still do coffee in the mornings i never noticed a difference besides being grumpier when i took it out (laughs) (laughs) um and then yeah i you know with with a if you are going for a more carnivore diet you just want to find the more fatty cuts of meat that you mentioned you know doing the parts of the chicken that are a little fattier you can keep the skin on yeah taste better anyway Mm -hmm. doing the red meat or the lamb and all those other things is totally fine as well. Yeah. I love a good rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Oh, that's a great, yeah. great thing for people to do. That's five bucks at Costco. Nibble on that cartilage too, you oh, know, man. close to the, you know, Dude, those tendons and stuff, get those nutrients. I turn into like a grizzly bear when I, <laughs> I'm breaking it down, I'm chopping it up into the different pieces, but I'm just like, yeah, like ravenously <laughs> sucking the skin. <laughs> yes. So good. So Absolutely. Good. That's, that's nature, baby. That's, that's right. It's, I don't know. That's how it's supposed to be. That's right they're delicious for a reason. Yep. That's right. It's really interesting. We had, um, a paleoanthropologist, his name's, uh, Dr. Mickey Bendor on our show and he's studied our human evolution. And he has a very interesting theory that, you know, we lived as humans with a lot of animals that we don't have now. And he, basically anywhere humans go, we make the, the animals go extinct and hundreds and thousands of years ago, we had, you know, animals on this planet that were way bigger than what we can imagine now. Yeah. I mean, we look at Africa where we came from and it's mostly just, it's mostly a desert now, but back in the day it was grasslands and there were massive amounts of elephants that are like 10 times the size of what they are today. And humans had the advantage of working together and cooperating to kill big animals. And they had a really high fat content. And as we over hunted them because they were easy to hunt, you just, you know, walk right up to them. Basically it's yeah. not like they run away. They have big size, but as we overhunted them, we had to like start hunting smaller and smaller species that had a higher protein to fat ratio and we need the fat. And so our brain size is actually on the decline. It's actually peaked for humans thousands of years ago and our brain's getting smaller and smaller. And one hypothesis really, that's interesting. is because that's interesting. we're not getting enough of the animal fats that we needed to grow our brain sizes to begin with. Wow. Those big, fat, tubby animals. Yeah, that's right. That's why we have dogs. I mean, the only reason that dogs exist today is we sat down to negotiate with a wolf, and and they traded their ability to mate with whoever they wanted and be in the wild for a free meal because we had extra protein, and they helped us hunt some of those smaller, more agile animals. Yeah. And over time, we did what's called selective breeding, where we would breed the fast dog with the smart dog, and if the dog bit somebody it wouldn't be bred with anything. And now we have, uh, you know, tons of different breeds of dogs for different reasons. Some kept Queens yeah. warm in castles. Some are cute. <laughs> some very niche breeds out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> some are basically useless. Like, like my two dogs at home, but, but 20,000, 30,000 years ago, we, their dogs were not a thing. We, it was literally a, a dog got a free meal of protein, because we had extra and they would protect us and help us hunt and all kinds of different things. Yeah. And that's why we're the only two species that have eye whites. Eye, eye whites? Yeah. The whites of your eyes 
is a, is a silent way to communicate when you're hunting and dogs have it and humans have it and cats don't have it. And no other animal has eye whites. Interesting. And when I like, like when my dog wants to play, he'll come up and look at me and then stare at his toy and then stare back at me and stare at his toy. It's a way to communicate. Really? So interesting. Wow. That is, that's very fascinating. That's very fascinating too. What you said about just uh, the, the eating the bigger clunkier animals that, that makes total sense. Yep. There's evidence that we would run an entire herd of these big animals off a cliff and then maybe like only eat one of them or half of one like, of this them. This is and, too much food, guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and unfortunately, that, that made those animals go away. And those big animals were really great at eating grasses, which were plentiful. They had stomachs that could convert the, the cellulose in the grass in their stomachs, which would ferment, and then they poop everywhere. So you're building topsoil all the time. They're, they're making the earth have this wonderful, rich topsoil that's now by and large gone. Like most gardens are, are so poor in their soil quality that you need chemicals to put in them so you can grow anything. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of nutrients in the soil. And that's one thing that we're missing is a lot of the ruminant agriculture, the buffalo that would, you know, millions of buffalo in the Great Plains area that would just poop everywhere all the time until we overhunted them. And now, you know, we had the Dust Bowl in the 1930s. And the only reason why our soil can grow anything, all these monocrops are growing, is because we're adding chemicals and minerals and that kind of thing. Yeah, It's a, it's a problem. It's something we're going to have to reckon with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've definitely left our stamp on the earth. Yeah, in that yes, we have. In many other respects. Yes, we have. Kind of changing gears here. Um, what, uh, do you have any thoughts on carb cycling? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great question. I think it can be really useful for people. Um, I think especially with women, it's a really good strategy. Especially with women, huh? yes. Um, men men kind of run on a twenty four hour cycle, so it's it's a lot easier. Just go have some steaks until you're full, and that's for men. It's a lot easier, but with women, they've got a twenty eight day cycle, and there's hormones that that make them crave more carbohydrates and, and carb cycling can work really well for a lot of women when they're craving more. We generally want to stick to the carbohydrates we know are safe for them. They handle it well, they digest it well, white rice for some people, potatoes for some people, oats, maybe certain fruits would be totally Everyone fine. Everyone should have their short list of yeah. go-to carbs. Yeah, that's right. And that's not a bad thing. And again, the purpose of all this isn't to never eat carbs ever Ever, they're not bad for you. It's just the supply right. and demand. We just have way too much. We supply. have we have raped, pillaged, and abused carbs That's right. <laughs> as humanity. That's right. I mean, it's ridiculous. And they're good. They taste good. They should. Carbohydrates reward. They're useful. You. Yeah. That's right. Biologically, an yep. extremely useful tool. Yep. That's right. If if yeah. I'm in the wild and I'm not always coming up on honey or berries or seasonal, I, they sh- they should taste good. So I. I eat them when they're in season and, and really enjoy them and maybe add some fat because my insulin is going to be higher because there's going to be a period of time when you need to use the fat as your fuel source. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing what humans can do. Our, our bodies are just endlessly fascinating. That's why fat people used to be revered. Like, oh, that's the goal because people did die of starvation much more frequently. I that's mean, right. I know it still happens today, but, you know. That's right. It's an everyday, especially American life. Yeah, that's right. You know, even the bums, you know, they're that's not right. spending their, their money on food they get sugar. plenty of free food sugar everyone's was, well fed in america that's right sugar was exceedingly rare it was really expensive so only the elite could ever consume it yeah um now if you have the discipline to avoid it that's right <laughs> then you're right. like yeah that's the person you want right. to be yeah it's a totally different problem and one that we different game have never faced as humans yeah i know life crazy like yep. that so weird 
Too much effing sugar. That's right. <laughs> where's the Where's the morbidly obese animals? That's right. Thank you, cow. Uh, it's, How it's, do we fatten these cows up even more? <laughs> the only The only animals that get over fat are the ones that we feed, including humans. Yeah. No other animal gets over fat. It's crazy. Yeah, like an elephant. They're not really over fat. I mean, they're they're big boned. Everything they need. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They're pretty well proportioned. Yep. That's right. Very cool. Well, I think uh, that's a good place to wrap it up. This has been the Rooted in Health podcast. I appreciate your time, Mr. Ruff. This is Casey Ruff with Boundless Body. Check him out if you're in the Salt Lake City area, if you can get on a schedule. He's a busy man. But, yeah, I appreciate your time, brother. It's been a, been great chatting with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's a real honor to appear on your show. Yeah, man. Right on. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of your day, sir, and uh, we'll have to have you back on, all right? Thank you. Likewise. All right. Take care, brother. We'll see you. All right. Bye. So thanks again for listening to my appearance on the Rooted in Health podcast. Like I said at the beginning, if you don't mind, go over to Apple Podcasts and drop these guys a rating and review. They would really appreciate it. It really, really helps as far as exposure goes to get their name out. And again, they're just starting out. Um, look forward to lots of other great episodes from them. I know some of the interviews they have coming up are quite exciting. They're going to do a lot of really great material. So I would look forward to that. And thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode of Boundless Body Radio.